It's all connected. This is the RussJohnson.com podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Baby, it is Russ Johnson and it's all connected. If this is your first time here, welcome. If you've been here before, welcome back. I'm glad to have you here. I had a really good discussion this round. Interesting. You know, my pursuit is to find my connection to how I understand things to your belief system. And today I had a very interesting discussion with a retired clinical psychologist who at 12 years old, his mother introduced him to LSD. He's had an interesting life. And you know, it made me realize that no matter how difficult or how different your life upbringing may have been, you can land in a good spot. Stormy has been through some rough times, drug addiction, divorce. Yeah, some rough spots. But when you listen to the words that he speaks, he's gained some wisdom through his troubles. I'm happy today to be joined by Stormy King, whom I met in a group for Ram Das, And he's always posting helpful, insightful memes and words. And I found his discussion very interesting. And I think you will too. He practices what is called radical acceptance. And that's how our discussion began when I asked him what it was. It means that the, the minute I notice that the universe has shifted and it's not going out, it's not unfolding the way I thought it, it I, that I expected it to or that I thought hey, I needed it to or that I had hoped it would, I let go of my attachments to that model in my mind. I just, it's gone. And I shift and I'm like, okay, I guess we're going this way now. What do I have to do to be safe, secure, and of service going this way? Mm -hmm. It all stems from the famous um, quote from Buddha that says that uh, attachment is the root of all suffering. And there's another quote that's been very important in my life from an essay titled The Third Patriarch of Zen Verses of the Faith Mind. And it was written 1,400 years ago. And it's about how to transcend dualities. And Rondas read that essay on an album, a six-album set. And, and, and we got it in 1973. And the, the first line... It uses a euphemism, uh, the great way, which is the path to enlightenment. The first line says, The path to enlightenment is not difficult for one who has no preferences. So when you put those two things together, for the longest time I thought the problem was my preferences and my attachments. But it turns out after, you know, it, it, it's, not, it's not that I have preferences and attachments. It's my clinging to them that's the problem. That's what causes the suffering. And if I'm suffering, then I can't help you. That's, it isn't that I don't want to suffer. Everybody doesn't want to suffer. Nobody wants to suffer. It's just to the extent that I'm suffering and emotionally in turmoil and, 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 and upset because I didn't get my way, um, then, then I'm not I'm not in any position to be of service to anybody else, to help anybody else, to relieve their suffering. Were you ever that way? Were you ever, I guess, for lack of better words, rude? Oh yeah, yeah, to yeah. People, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, this whole radical acceptance thing and and being my motto for a while has been to stay focused on what's best for the most. That's not, you know, I mean, I, so. All right, my mom gave me really pure LSD slightly before I turned 12. And we did it a half a dozen times together as a family with, with a guide and with Indian music and, and candles and incense and, and for the specific oh purpose of a chemically induced spiritual awakening. And it worked, okay? It worked. <laughs> I, I had that. Oh, I'm sure yeah. it did. Well, it was I'm very, sure it was very it pure LSD. We, we knew the people oh that were goodness. making it. My mom was a friend of Osley. We came from different yeah. worlds, I can tell you that. My mom, yeah, that's my so mom was a friend of Osley. He manufactured the really good stuff. And um, <laughs> and um, so, like, for example, Chris... How do you think, experiencing that at such a young age, how do you think this affected you to be who you are Well, today? this is what I'm trying to say. Okay, so I had that experience, and then 
and then Ramdas, Richard Alpert went to India and came back as Ramdas, and um, and wrote that yeah. book Be Here Now, and then put out that six album set Love Serve Remember in '73. So in in that in that decade from the mid '60s to the mid '70s, you know, I was I was immersed in in the in the hippie enlightenment culture. Okay. You know, and Ramdas Ramdas is immensely popular in the West because he represented a path towards enlightenment that didn't involve sitting cross-legged on a mountaintop for forty years. You know, <laughs> and so I was I was exposed to all that, and I, I soaked up a lot of that. But then, you know, I got married, I had a job, I got divorced, I had two kids. Yeah, but wait a minute before you jump to that. I mean, you you were there at the Watts yes. acid test. You were holding a strobe light. Was, is your mom I was, was there? I was operating a hand cranked strobe light for my aunt oh. and keeping time to the music when the music finally came on. Tell me about your very first trip. You're you're 12 years old. Yeah, what it was, was just before I turned 12. Like? Well, we we had moved to um, Venice and we had a house kind of on the beach, and and I remember walking out into the fog on the beach with my brother and my sister. And just everything being like colors and stuff, and um, that was my the, the most memorable trip was Christmas of 1966, and a friend of ours came directly from the lab where they were making it, and he put three drops from a dropper bottle into a gallon jar of water, and we all had like a cup of that water, and I swear I saw mm. I, you know I got to I got to see I got to hit, feel God and watch the walls melt. It was amazing. That was oh, absolutely amazing. Goodness, holy yeah. moly! You know, people who have not done LSD, it's one of those things. It's impossible right. to explain the right. experience. But when I cannot right. imagine being twelve years old and having this experience, I mean, holy I hadn't reached moly. puberty yet. Yeah. How has this affected you in a spiritual sense? What have you gained from taking LSD? Well, like I was saying, okay, so I went, I went on from that experience, and it got into my early twenties, and um, you know, I, I didn't, I knew Ram Dass was still out there lecturing, but I didn't study any of his material, and I, I became very materialistic myself. I became very goal oriented. I got married. I had two kids. I fell into addiction with drugs and alcohol, and um, got into recovery for that in the mid '80s. I've had one drink of alcohol since 1985. Um, yeah, and then and, and then I got married again, and. Um, uh, and divorced again, and fell into a, a, a compulsive gambling problem, and I've got um, almost ten years uh, abstinent from that. So, well, you're, I wouldn't exactly say you're a fast learner <laughs> then on the marriage. No, 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 two marriages, a couple addictions. So, yeah. to answer your question, all right, what what changed in it for me was was a knowing in my core that there was a that everything is connected to everything. And despite all the chaos and drama and 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 unskillful um, events and things that I did and, and participated in, there was part of me that always knew that, and it was always was always wanting to come back to that. And in the last handful of years, I, I have, you know, I started listening to uh, uh, one of his podcasts every week, and I started, you know, hanging out with people that wanted to talk about his spiritual lessons and. You know, I started really practicing radical acceptance, and um, so it's kind of like full circle. What what I tell the group is that all of my life, I I would like talk about Ramdas and what what be here now means, and and what you know what um, that you know that uh, the great way is not difficult for one who holds no preferences. What that means. Um, and then, in other words, I mean, both of those are beautiful. What tell tell us right now? What does "be here now" mean? Well, I have it on my bedroom. I have two of I have two. I have one in a plaque and one okay. in a little like a bumper well, sticker. Well, the way I the way I've explained it to people since 1970 is that it doesn't mean you don't make plans to go to college next fall. It means you make those plans in the context of what's going on in the here and now, and you let go of what actually happens in the fall. Right, so. You do. You're centered in the now, right? But you're you're still operating as a human in the world, 
with with uh, with those desires and and needs and and all those things. It's it, it's about not being attached to what um, you know to what happens. Not not being you know being here now means not spending all that mental energy uh, trying to decide what kind of future you 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 have to have. You just yeah, to me, it's like it's just, it feels like it's like being right here in this yeah. moment. You're not too far ahead. You're not, in fact, you're not ahead at all. And you're not ahead behind at all. You're right here. You know, right this now. is beautiful. Ram Dass talked a lot about using his intuition. And that is something that oh, yeah. I never paid a whole lot of attention to until the last handful of years. And now I, I come from my intuition a lot more. I mean, he would talk about how you know he would get like you know uh, dozens and dozens of letters, and he would like he would pick a couple that he had time to answer a couple, and he'd pick a couple, or he had like you know fifteen people that wanted to call him to call him back, and he let his intuition. He just knew that if if he got his ego out of the way, that he would pick the right person that needed him to call him back. You know what I'm saying? It's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that takes care of that block. It opens up that energy. Yeah. I never never thought anybody could operate in the world that way. But I I, I do a lot more now, obviously. Yeah, man. Listen, almost everything I do is off of my intuition. I have really good intuition. I follow it. And uh, I'm, well, you know, I hate to brag, but I'm right a lot. I mean, um, when you learn to trust that part, of yourself and listen for a long time i think people have to get past that questioning am i making this up Uh you have to be able to recognize the energy of it not and just forget about questioning it when you recognize it you'll see it'll prove itself yes absolutely and if i stay focused on what's best for the most rather than all those frantic efforts that i engaged in all those years to try to make myself happy if i stay focused on what's best for the most and try to use my intuition to guide me in, 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 in from one here now to the next here now. You know, things tend to work out better for everybody. It's amazing. Have you always found that, you like, financially speaking, when you follow this path that you're just always taking care of? Not that you're rich or you don't need to be. It's just like every, you're always, there's, what you need is always there. Yeah, well, um... You know, right right livelihood is what they talk about in Buddhism, and um, you know, it's, is that what I just described? Yeah, is called yeah, you know, what is it called again? Well, right livelihood means that you know, if you're practicing Buddhism, it doesn't mean that um, uh, you don't have a job or you don't charge for your service. It, you have a right to make a living in this world, and in our culture, that's yeah. money you to pay the rent. Okay. It's just another form of energy. That's what we're doing. We're transferring. Yeah, it's another form of energy. But it reminds me of a quote that I've quoted all of my life that I have no idea if it's actually true anymore because it was like 50 years ago I started telling people this about something that Ramda says. It's it's a little bit tangential, but he said, if you're going to be a garbage person, be the best, most spiritual garbage person you know how to be. Right? And and he would have people come to him and say, you know, I can't meditate because I live in Los Angeles. And he'd be like, no, that's your meditation. Is that you live in yeah. Los Angeles? Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. So do you meditate? So, what was your practice? My practice is my life. <laughs> what a beautiful way to describe your understanding. I love that, Stormy. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one one of the one of the one more profound Ramdas quotes. See, I also make memes and post. Oh yeah, I've seen them. And They're good. The, one, anybody that wants to see us, yeah. and if you want to join our group, if you become a Ramdas fan, there is a private group on Facebook. There's a private group and a public group, both. Um, when was the last the, time um, you did LSD? How long ago? 2008, and I hadn't done it before that in 20, 25 years. I only did it the one time. I haven't done it since. Yeah, I haven't done it since. I was visiting my aunt on the way to Burning Man, and I hadn't done anything in a very long time. And I, I started smoking pot, and I asked her if she had any LSD. And the, the guy that she was living with had been a, um, a very famous uh, manufacturer of MDMA on the West Coast. He had, out in his property, he had buried different canisters in airtight, you know, uh, sealed, and he had some of the really pure stuff still. 
and and I, but he 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 had some actual LSD um, that was that had been carefully preserved that way, and I took some and and it was you see the the thing about the psychedelics is this issue of, of diminished returns, okay? What Ramda said is that taking the psychedelics is like looking through a window into a room of treasures, and what you really want to do is find the door to go oh, in, man. okay? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, at some point, I mean, I'm glad I did it in 2008. I hadn't done it in decades, and I haven't done it since 2008. You done trims or anything like that? No, no. I, I did trims. Tell me what you think of this. I did a trip on trims. I haven't hadn't done it in years and years till probably I don't know mm-hmm. maybe two three years ago, and haven't done it since then. But I'm I'm going to do it again. But I was dancing. I took five grams of like ground up stuff, which they tell me is like the equivalent of like seven grams. And my man, I was dancing with Shiva. <laughs> yes. Holy moly, man! Yeah. Listen, there, there was a there's a um, John Hopkins Johns Hopkins uh, study going on, and they made a a playlist uh-huh. for people who are tripping. Oh yeah! And there was this song. It was just like it was called uh, Om Namah Shivaya. Yes, I know that. Oh my goodness! And yeah, it went on for like. One. I probably got 17 minutes or something like that. It's a very long version. <laughs> I, I was dancing. Oh, my goodness. It was one of the most amazing experiences I did not expect at all. In fact, I didn't even know who it was. Yeah. It, it, the song is what made me look into it because of the name. <laughs> I yeah. wasn't sure who I was dancing with, actually. But, oh, yeah. my goodness. That was just such an amazing experience. Again, trying to explain to people who have never done LSD what right. this feels like is impossible. You can get close. You can say some crazy stuff, but to someone who's never done it, it sounds like nutcase stuff. And you wouldn't know yeah, that because you've been doing it since you were 12 years yeah, old. So. Yeah, there, there's an important distinction, um, though, and the studies that they've done all back this up, okay? It, it, it has to do with what Richard Alpert and Timothy Leary and Ralph Metzner taught people in the early 60s about the set and the setting. Oh yeah, okay. it matters a lot. It it it, 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 ma- it makes all the difference. It, it definitely does. Yeah, you know, who um, you're it, around, when you do it, all that stuff. Yeah, every you got to be in a good mood. Your intentions, you know. Yeah. You know, is it? You know, are you? Do you intend to like? You know, just experience some pleasure, or are you actually? You know, seeking some spiritual insights. Correct. I love that you said that because I believe that's the important part of this thing. I would never, I did it as a kid when I was in college and just as a party type thing, didn't know what to do with it. But now that I know how to use this stuff in a spiritual sense, man, it has lots of lessons. I mean, it's it's not going to change your world, but it can show you a doorway. It can like, you know, know, it kind of opens up the door for you. There, there is one way that to explain it to people that have never taken it. That might help. Fire away. I can't wait. All right. There was a lot of research in psychedelics in the 50s and 60s, and then the federal government shut it completely down. Mm-hmm. And the manufacture of really pure LSD stopped in 1969 because they made lysergic acid illegal. You couldn't find it. And that's what you needed to make lysergic acid diethylamide 25. Say right? that 10 times real fast. Yeah, exactly. Um, in fact, I've always felt that that Hotel California song, it has a line, we haven't had that spirit here since 1969. I always figured that's what they were talking about in that. But regardless, so there was this research, and then they shut it down, and now there's research again on the use of psychedelics. And in all that body of research, in all those studies, there's one finding that is the most robust, and they find it every time they look at it, and that's this. If you're dying, and you know you're dying, and you're really, really afraid to die, if you take a heroic dose of a good psychedelic in the proper set and setting, with a guide, with intentions, most of the time, people lose that fear of death. Now, why would that be? Why would that be? Because the psychedelic drug is, is is like a neurotransmitter itself. It gets in between the brain cells and makes them talk to each other in ways they never did before and never will again. When all your brain cells are activated and talking to each other, you you have this sensation of everything being connected to everything. Because it is now in your head, right? Yeah, you are connected to it. You know you are. 
Yeah, you know you are. And that's the same thing that people achieve after meditating cross-legged on a mountaintop for 40 friggin' years. It's the right. same thing. You know? Yeah, but you know the difference being that I think psychedelics are, is it, again, it's not a temporary fix. It's like it shows you the doorway, something to connect to, right, yeah. and start the journey. Cause it, but you've got to pass through it. Yeah, you know? exactly. You know, that's the diminished return part. You know, um, I know people that, are, that um, continue to do um, mushrooms and, and different things. And, you know, for me, when you ask, you know, when, when my use of it, you know, it, it's like, well, once you've looked through that window, once you've had that experience, there, there isn't a whole lot of value in, there, there's less and less value in, in re, every time you try to look there again. Do you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. But you know what yeah. I want to know from your brain is like, well, how do you define what this thing is, the source? What do you think it is? Uh, I call it um, the almighty isness. <laughs> the almighty isness is what it is. Okay. To me, there's an energy field that exists beyond our three-dimensional perceptions. You know, we... we one of the suggestions in in making the most out of a psychedelic trip is not you know candles and incense, but also spiritual literature. We we would read the Book of Tao to each other when we were tripping in the late sixties. And in the Book of Tao, it says there is this thing that that is you know eternal and infinite and I don't know omnipresent or omnis you know, a bunch of omnis. And it says <laughs> it's very clear. It says because we want to talk about it. We're going to call it Tao, T-A-O. But the real Tao can't be expressed in mere words, right? So across all the great religions in the world, you will find this concept of God or, or enlightenment or, or Narvina, Nar, you know, any of those terms that you want to use. There's a million of them, right? And they're, essentially they're saying that, that we are three-dimensional beings existing in time, a linear time, but we're connected to something that is beyond these dimensions, it is difficult to describe in words because whatever words you use are limitations on it. And and, and you're trying to you're trying to um it's talk so about hard something. not to do that though. It yeah. So yeah. Hard. You know, you're trying to label something um, that can't Everything. be labeled, you know? Yeah. You're trying to express yeah. in words something that can't be expressed in words. You know, however, the effort... There's something is, is about that, though. It sounds like a cop-out because there's got to be some... They're just like they're, they're, we're missing something, you know? Yeah. It's, it feels like that. Like, we, there well, is something. That well, we, one, uh, of the, one of the letters that's on my website that Ramdas sent us in the uh, 70s, he says, when we look... When, when when we look behind the, the veil of differences in time and space, who do we see but ourself hanging out all over? Have you, I mean, radical acceptance, do you have, are there any, like, situations where you, you're challenged still with this, or is it like every well, decision just falls okay, right so, into it? Uh, here's, here's the other part of that, okay? I used to get all twisted up in a knot from time to time when things didn't go my way and the radical acceptance is helping me not have a my way in the first place right yeah. so it turns out and this is this is one of the core principles in buddhism it's not what happens to me in life that causes me to be happy or sad it's my thinking about what right. happens all right now the caveat that that you mentioned do i ever if when tragedy strikes it's something I love deeply and am very attached to without even hardly knowing it or a loved one. If, sudden, if somebody you know, dies or if, when tragedy strikes, I am not going to be able to change my thinking overnight. That's not how it works. I'm human. I'm going to suffer and grieve and cry and all those things, right? But knowing it's my thinking and not the event, that really does help me come back to my happy place a lot faster. Yeah. And if I'm in my happy place, then I'm 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 back where I can be helpful. See, again, I didn't quite finish this earlier. It isn't just that I don't want to suffer; it's that my chosen path to this thing, whatever people call enlightenment, is selfless service to others. 
you know, Ramdas had a chosen path of devotion to a guru, right? And that was never going to be me, you know. Um, and uh, I don't. I was never interested in, in finding a guru, right? Yeah, but neither. but another one of the other well-worn, you know, talked about paths to um, enlightenment, which I don't. I don't think there is such a thing as enlightenment anymore. I think it's. Um, um, but it's self. Let me tell you what. Let me. I heard. I, I, I interviewed a guy, and I love his description of what enlightenment is. And he said, if you are sometimes aware of yourself, of others, the situations, you know, the energy of the room, then if you're sometimes aware, then you're on the path. But if you're always aware, then you are enlightened. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I mean about my life is my, is my practice. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get there. I want to get there. I want to see but, how everything but, is connected. But there, there's a, there comes a point when your effort to get there prevents you from getting there. Yeah, you've got to allow it. You have to allow it to unfold. Yeah, you have to allow it. You know, this whole, I'm trying to be enlightened. I'm trying, you know, the, Ramda says that, you know, that the meditation is a practice and dance is a practice and Hatha Yoga is a practice. And all these practices are illusions. Are. You use the illusion to get yeah. out of the illusion. It's the thought. The goal isn't to end up being a good meditator. The goal is to end up being free. Right? That's what Sounds he Sounds just like Ram Dass you know? right there. Yeah. What I say, you know, people say it's the journey, not the destination. And I say there is no destination. There's only the journey. You know, it's right? like a good traveler. I, I posted something on Facebook a couple of days ago. A good traveler has no determined destination yeah yeah and you know that thing i was saying about learning how not to have a my way okay i'm like that guy that says he never gets lost he just changes his mind about where he was going <laughs> yeah it's listen if you can i've been in those modes i don't live in it all the time but i'm in those modes right. uh, often right. and yeah right. things when think when you're in that mode the, the everything flows it, it's synchronous every bit of it it's like wild it's wild i wonder why i can't stay there all the time everything comes back to thought do you agree with that everything comes down to definitions really yeah yeah my perceptions define me and as long as i'm incarnated on this three-dimensional body i'm going to be dealing with the basic duality of self versus non-self and you know as much as i can think about you know the yin yang symbol and everything's one and 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 transcending all these dualities as long as my heart's beating and my body's ticking okay there's that duality right there that is is uh, uh limiting to that so yes our thoughts keep coming back to um the needs and wants and 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 you know you have to breathe you have to eat you have to sleep you know so there isn't any transcending that okay um, but that's okay, you know. It, it, the rest of it is all about desires and and letting go of of attachments. And it it isn't again. It isn't that I have attachments. I love passionately. I love to love passionately. I love watermelons. I don't like onions. I have lots of preferences. It's it's my clinging to them. You know. It, it's my insist. It's like. It's, you know, I don't get upset anymore if I'm at a restaurant and they, they only have onions. They don't have watermelons. Oh. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I'm you with know? you. Me too. You know. yeah. whatever, whatever comes our way, that's what's happening at the moment. I mean, it is what it right. is. Right. Let me ask you this. This is something we've been talking about in, in a couple of the smaller um, some virtual groups. Sure. Um, I, I want to be compassionate and I want to be of service and I want to be understanding but I also don't want to be a doormat, okay? I don't want people to like you know, um, you know, take advantage of my kind nature or whatever. Uh, yeah, but the worry about that's attracting it, right? The worry of that yeah. is attracting that very thing to some level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if if I'm if I'm putting it out there that you know, oh, I don't want you to be your doormat, then I'm going to attract people that want me as a doormat. And that's not <laughs> right. See, that's the irony of this whole system that blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, it's the, you know, if, if, if you don't want it to show up in your life, stop thinking about it so much. Yeah. Now, if you're constantly worried about something that you don't want to happen, 
the irony of how this thing works, and I don't know why it's crazy, but you're attracting that very thing to you. It's what you think about always. Yes. Every single moment, every thought carries weight. Yes, it does. It does. <laughs> what do you think happens when we die? Oh, um, I've always conceptualized my death as a raindrop hitting the ocean. It's a vast change of form and not a single change of substance at all. Say that again. All right. My death is like a raindrop hitting the ocean. It's a vast, profound, almost infinite change of form, but not a single iota change of substance. We've all heard the expression, uh, this, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. That's actually attributed to Aristotle, I found out. But what I wrote is that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. That is my religion. My philosophy is that I am sometimes a whole and sometimes a part. Okay, so my my death it, my death is the end of me being a part. From that right. point, that part, yeah, that part, and yeah. Just energy yeah. changes into some other part. Yeah. Now here's a here's a conversation that might interest your view, your listeners. Um, my aunt was a firm believer in reincarnation, as are many many people in the Ramdas group. Same here, I believe it. Um, I do. Why wouldn't it? <laughs> um, what I think what I think is that all human experiences are valid. Okay, if somebody comes to me and says they're Napoleon reincarnated, I don't look at them as the actual Napoleon. I look at them as somebody who is resonating with the, the in, in, with the Napoleon left a big impression in the space time continuum. Right, I agree with that. And I if, get it. Yeah. If people can fit themselves into that and take it on, mm -hmm. right? And you know that's that's what I think. You know. Um, um, but you know that's what I think. Let me, let me tell you. Every time I get a chance to tell this, because this is my biggest story, right? And I want you to tell me your biggest after I wrap this up. Okay. But I believe everything is connected. I believe all of it at every level, right? We're like all of us are little pieces of the puzzle, sort of like you describe it. We're just all we have uh, with with a piece missing. It's not a full puzzle, right. and all of us are playing a role here. And what we think about the most is what we see showing up. Yes. Right, all this stuff. But when we die, what I believe happens is that for the moment, like right here in this body, it's this energy, this, this having this conversation with you right now. Well, I believe in one moment it's trapped in this body. And then the next moment it's like right outside the body, but it's still in the same vicinity, right? Uh -huh. It's leaving its body behind. And then who knows where the hell it goes from there. But that it's just that. It's just like yeah. Ram Das talks about just another moment. You know, like yeah. taking off a tight-fitted shoe, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That, to me, makes right. perfect sense of how this energy makes a transition from the body yeah. into the, what the soul or spirit or consciousness or whatever the hell this thing is. And, listen, that's why I believe in reincarnation. Because I believe that energy by just that nature of it leaving the body like that that is still here right yeah. we're there now yeah. where we think going yeah. so that it's uh, it continues forever yeah. right the, that the, part of it the difference in my view is that i don't feel i come back i feel we come back okay i got you yeah. that's true yeah. you're only a fragment yeah. of it right, right. When, when i die that's yeah. the end of i there's we're no, fragments no more, now yeah there's no more stormy okay but you know here's a here's a good one you know, people talk about life after death, and some uh, famous person was at, from spiritual teacher was asked, you know, what happens after I die, and the answer was, well, lots of things happen after you after you die. They just don't involve you. <laughs> but, right. but you know, if, if I were to get hit by a train tomorrow, you and everybody else would go right on living. That's life after death. The real question, really, is there such a thing as death once you get this life thing started? Not really. No, not really. Not really. Not really. Mm -hmm. you know, my, not, at the bare, not at the base level. It's just energy. Right. My, um, when my grandmother died in um, 1980, uh, one of my daughters was uh, four. And six months later, she asked me, Daddy, why did Grandma have to die? You know, she was still really upset about it. And I was like, okay, how do you tell this to a four-year-old? And I said something that's been helpful to me. Um, I, I asked her to imagine what the world would look like if no one ever died. And, you know, she got it. 
she's like she never she never worried about it uh, you know at least not with <laughs> not my grandma you know and so Are, did you know, did it, you know that we're about to be able to download our brains are you aware that this is just right, right around the corner? Well, I, 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 I am, I am Musk, very. Apparently, I think if if this is correct, I'm, I'm, yeah. I know he was involved. Whether he's still involved, I'm not sure. But he he was an investor in this Who uh, was? project. Uh, Elon Musk. Oh yeah, yeah. He's in. He's in. He's got his fingers in all kinds of toes and by <laughs> What I am keenly aware of, I've been a huge science fiction fan all my life. Ramdas and I. When I met him at age 12, he was still Richard Alpert, and we bonded over the fact that we had both read this science fiction book called Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert Einlein. And in that book, the characters sip water together and become water brothers. So Ramdas and my older sister and I formally took a sip of water from the same glass, and from that point on, we were water brothers, and he refers to us that way in his letters. Um, but, um, so, I, I've been... I, I, I've been a huge science fiction fan all my life, and what I am keenly aware of at this time, especially since November with the artificial intelligence on the scene, is that a lot of this stuff that we assumed was just science fiction never going to happen is happening. <laughs> it's yeah. happening. So yeah. it, well, let it, me tell you, this is this, the way I understand how this is going to work, though. When you like, you're, let's say you download the memories of your brain that in the future, not that you will be there. Right. But your personality will be there for your great, 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 great grandkids yeah. to have a conversation with yes. and ask questions right. and that we could talk to like um, past led um, anyone who has any kind of yeah. right. Right. Yeah. right. It, it would be nice to have an accurate avatar of Einstein that you could interact with. Yeah. yeah it it, nice. To have a conversation right. with him that anybody could do it simultaneously. Right. Holy moly, what yeah. are we getting into now? Yeah, yeah. It's an exciting time to be alive, you know. <laughs> Will you take, would you actually download your brain? I think it's going to, we're going to have a split. We're going to have, like, the, the wills and the wants that yeah. uh, will actually download their brains like well, that. Well, you know, I mean, given the opportunity, sure I would. I mean, right now you have a lot of people that are like, art, you know, artificial intelligence. Oh, no, I don't want that in my life. Well, sorry, it's too late, you know. The <laughs> yeah. horse is out I'm of the I'm actually starting a company that's yeah. uh, software-related. Yeah, know, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's part of our future now. It's part of everybody's life. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's either going to make us great, take us to the next level, or it's going to kill us. One or the other. Yeah, and it is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. Whatever. It's out right. of the gate. Like you said, radical acceptance. Right. I, mean, now, I have I have I've also been a, a lay person studying astronomy all my life. And when I, for, I took astronomy in college in 1971, they did not know if other stars actually had planets or not. Now they know they all do. The very process that creates a star all, creates planets every time. Yeah. So, um, if we were so destroyed, there, there's it, a, you know, if a moon around every star or something like that, what is it? A, there's a planet around every star. Yeah. It, the process that creates stars also almost, always creates planets with that star it's just Amazing. how it works so yeah. of the trillions and trillions and trillions of planets it, it, the numbers don't lie right there's nothing there's nothing unique about this planet and it, it kind of it's been frustrating all of my life Oh, there's a lot unique about it I mean right. the, the fact that you can have this organism surviving the way we have is Right. Pretty darn unique, right. at least it's like you compare right. it to Mars and what we're finding there anyway. Yeah. It's pretty dark up there. Yeah, but I, I'm convinced that if the worst case happens and all human life is destroyed on this planet, it's not going to make a whole lot of difference to the amount of intelligent life in the universe. Right, for right. sure. Yeah, it's just changing energy. Right. That's all it is. Yeah. Listen, to, even if today, right. and it's, it could happen, this Earth could explode, right? right? And the energy is just changing form. Yes. Right? Yeah. It did not disappear. It was not completely destroyed. It just turned into something else. Yeah, that's true. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there would be a big disturbance in the force if we were hit by a killer asteroid or something. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Listen, right. even crazy stuff, like, and that could really happen even with solar flares knocking out our grid system. We don't, In America, our grid system stinks, mm -hmm. and we're not doing anything about it. And they listen. They know it happened. Yeah. It was like in the 
I don't know. I'm gonna get this wrong, but like in the fifties or sixties or something like that. Yeah. And um, this power, the power went out when the solar flare hit. And and luckily they didn't have electronics like we do today. But I know. We're so reliant on this stuff. Can you imagine <laughs> going out for years? I'm not talking about for weeks. I'm talking about for years. Yeah. There, there's, wow. There, you know, we might changing society. Yeah. I mean, that's taking here. us back to the 1800s. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of scenarios where our civilization could be thrown back to the Stone Age or pre-industrial age, and mm-hmm. you know our, our people will survive and rebuild, and you know a thousand years from now they'll say, oh, I think we learned our lesson from that. You know, maybe not, right? Yeah, maybe yeah. not. Right, but maybe not. You know, I don't know what lessons we need to learn this time around. I mean, politically and socially, there's a lot going on that's that's in our culture that is taken as normal that is actually the source of a lot of pathology right you know what i think man we've got to go through this yeah we have to go through this to get to where it is that we're yeah. supposed to be going exactly. we've got to get this over with whatever this crap is yeah. but here's what is going to happen in my opinion here's what i think i'm making a prediction here with stormy check this out okay what i think is going to happen it's going to be, and it's not pretty listen america is in trouble we are in yeah. trouble yeah. And what's going to probably end up happening is that um, some underground like social media, something will grow to the point where it just makes people excited and get behind it. And man, our government needs to run like this and the people will really speak. And then the, it's going to happen so fast that the government's not going to be able to do anything but respond. And they're either yeah. going to join and they're going to be invited and join or they're going to not. And if they don't, then we're talking about the divided states of America, and then we're going to fight for the next hundred years over property. So we got to get that part out of the way. One more big, long war thing, I think. But, man, I'm telling you, this is the way it looks like it's going. I mean, yeah, how else I, are we going to – and listen, the answer is this, and this is why it makes me think that we're going to split. The middle, the middle is the answer. It's yeah. not any extreme. It's not either one side of the extremist. You've yeah. got to compromise. This is what this yeah. it, all governments require compromise, especially a democracy. Yeah. So there's Russ Johnson. I'm stepping down from the soapbox up next, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of my good friends in the Ramdas groups is in Florida. And we've talked quite a bit about, you know, this, uh, uh, you know, vi- how not to visualize uh people as other even though they vote completely opposite you and yeah, you know, how to oppose what their goals are and still include them as part of your tribe yeah. you know it's really it's difficult it's really I, you know it I, is and i wish is, we would do it why can't we yeah. do it well you know uh, most decisions are based on tribal thinking and if your tribe believes that you know, for example, back when, um, you know, the example on this Facebook uh, short little animated video I've watched a number of times used the example of Obama's birth certificate. And it, so if, you, if your tribe believes that it was fake, then it's probably, you know, in your best interest to believe that rather than be opposed to what your tribe believes. In other words, group thinking is way more powerful than most people understand. Right, and now with the internet, everybody that believes any particular bizarre conspiracy thing can instantly be connected to dozens of other people that have that same bizarre belief, and it's completely reinforced. Well, look, I don't care. AI is is changed the game. You're going to have everyone is going to have to learn how to trust their intuition because that's going to be the only way they're going to be able to tell the truth. AI yes. has changed that. Nothing. I, I am skeptical of every picture I see now. If it looks too yes. beautiful to me, and it might be a real picture, but I'm yes. skeptical. So those yes. days of just you know being naive yes. are over. <laughs> you you well, got to you learn how to. Uh, uh, yeah, we're also. Listen, I think it's supposed to happen so that we can learn intuition. That's where we're supposed to be paying to attention to anyway. You know, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I, like re- that. I really yeah. feel that's what's happening yeah. there. We're listen, everything is unfolding yeah. according to karmic laws, the way I see it. As a collective, yeah. that's where yeah. we're pushing ourselves. And hey, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that because on the other side of all these struggles to 
you know, not be so divided we lose our country. And, you know, all these struggles to, like, um, you know, prevent World War Three, and, and, you know, on the other side of that is a world where people are living more harmoniously and compassionately, and that requires a higher level of intuitive thinking. If we don't don't kill ourselves beforehand, that's where we will land. We will get there if we can survive, which is doubtful. Right. (laughs) It's doubtful. Well, there's a question. Yeah, there's always been a question. So they they say if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And, and I guess that we're destined to be like super <laughs> right. man or something. Yeah, I hear you. That's yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. What's your biggest message, man? Yeah. Let's, we're about to wrap this up here. I just want to give you the opportunity to say what you want to say. What, what's one of the biggest things you could say right now that's going to change people's lives? That's a big one. I mean, you take time to think about it. Yeah. We have to come from a position of love and compassion and not greed, you know? I mean, we live in a culture that is so materialistic and so con- capitalistic consumerism. You know, we, we, the, the self-storage industry in 2018 was a $38 billion industry. Yeah. Why? Why do we have all this stuff instead of, you know, it, there, there are deep systemic issues in our institutions of marriage and education and religion and people can't see them because it's a forest for the trees we've normalized it right we've normalized divorce we've normalized um uh religious fanaticism we've normalized all this stuff and it's not normal it's creating pathology all the way up to mass shootings okay and and the 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 solution is to turn more towards tribal living. You know, I, what does that mean? How do we do that? How how do we go from where we are now? I don't know exactly. And if I sound like an old hippie that's yearning to be part of a commune again, it's because I am. You do, but it, there's a lot of truth to this. I mean, okay. You know. So here's what I say: If you want to raise emotionally stable and emotionally intelligent humans, you have to do that in the context of a close-knit community, a tribe, a village, a, a huge extended family. I wonder why communal living in America, though, does uh, you've never like long term they don't last. Well, because we we're, we're embedded in a structure that demands that you have to have money to get ahead and property to get ahead and that's that runs counter to communal you know i mean the native americans you know they were considered savages because they didn't build lasting monuments well they didn't want to desecrate they, you know they were living in harmony they didn't want to desecrate the 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 source of their their survival mm. so you know, it's it's a different. Yeah, we mindset. change their world up and not in a good yeah, way. It's a That's different mindset, sure. you know. But there's so much of the pathology in, in in Western culture in the United States that I can see is traced back directly to the fact. Ramdas says no one comes through the childhood socialization process unscathed. What I say is, is is even worse, is that no one in, in Western culture, no one comes through puberty untraumatized. <laughs> because it, we're, we're not, if you look back at what, I've got a lot of value of thinking how people lived in the caveman days or on the savannah and picturing how that is. And honestly, Modern civilization, for all of its wonders and advancements and, and easy living and, you know, getting rich and, and, and happy, for all of that, okay, it, it, is ask, it is demanding that people act and think and behave in ways that is completely 100% counter to what evolution designed us to do. If you were, if you were living, you know, okay, so I live alone. I've lived alone for a decade. I have two cats. I'm happy. I don't care. Right? I got you beat by a lot more than that, but good for you, right. man. But um, if you lived alone in the on the savannah, if you tried to live alone back in the caveman days, and I'm I'm not talking the end. I'm talking about humans. Humans have been on this planet for several hundred thousand years. We've only been civilized humans living in institutions of marriage and education and and religion for uh, several thousand years. 
but we've been around for too long. Let's go. Let's get, make this a whole lot closer to home. My grandparents didn't even have electricity. There you go. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, right. we've come this far. Right. And it, it, if you tried to live alone for ninety percent of that history, you died. You got eaten yeah. by the saber-toothed tigers or whatever. You yeah. know. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Right? And but so we can't see the forest for the trees, mm-hmm. right? Because we're embedded in a society and a culture that that is a certain way and and we just assume that is the best way and it's not <laughs> it's not because um there's no there's no um we we've lost that connection i mean some of the loneliest to the point of being suicidal people are living in manhattan surrounded by millions of other people right and, but we've lost that basic connection that says my life depends upon you supporting me and me supporting you, you know, because it now my life depends upon having sufficient income to pay my rent and buy groceries. Right? It doesn't depend on being a, a, a part of the tribe. That was what I was asking you earlier. Are your needs met? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, that gets to the question of what are my needs and what are my wants? I mean. You know, I. <laughs> You're such an interesting <laughs> fellow. That's a perfect yeah. answer, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, thank you so much. I've enjoyed this conversation. It's rare when you can uh, speak stuff in the crazy new world that we were just talking and then have someone that really understood. Most of the time, for me, I've said this a number of times and it's sort of sad in a way, but it's a, been a lonely path uh-huh. for me because most people are really not that interested in this kind yeah. of stuff. I mean, listen, I knew when I started this podcast, I probably wasn't going to be very, like, have tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands or whatever that number of people uh, aspire to. Because it's just right now, at this stage of evolution, spiritually speaking, I just don't think, unless we make a turn, um, that most people are interested in this type of conversation. It's all I, I mean, I'd rather talk about this stuff yeah. than anything. Well, you know, people you know? operate from the level of consciousness that they're at. And, you know, those of us that have experienced these higher realms of consciousness and, and, and are striving to not strive to be there, you know, more of the time, you know, it, it, <laughs> it behooves it. us to do things and, and say things and, you know, like this podcast that that may, you know, elevate the group, you know, that may bring everybody up, you know, right? Um, yeah. But, again, it... it, it so it's what you said, you know, there are lessons to all of these struggles. And on the other side of them, you know, our descendants, if there are any, uh, 10,000 years from now, are going to look back in absolute horror at the way we lived and thought and fought wars and had, you know, mass killings and genocides. And, and Yeah, but I think we're going to look at that time, back at that time and go, that's what it took to get here. I mean, we had to go through that to get yeah, to here. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, on the other side of our growth yeah. as, as a species. Everything is perfect. Know, That's what I got from Ron Doss. It's, it's one of my yeah, greatest lessons that I learned from him, yeah, and I adopted yeah, it wholeheartedly. Yeah. truly believe that everything, right. even in the most right. odd of circumstance, right. everything is perfect. Right. And that's part of radical acceptance, okay? I believe now in my heart of hearts that the universe is exactly perfect, exactly the way it is. And that includes my desire to make it better. That's it. Oh, my goodness. Yep, I love your mind. Man, I appreciate you taking the time to be with me today. I'm going to be keep, keep watching you over there at Facebook. So keep saying good stuff. Keep us inspired. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I thank you, man. Listen, this has been a fun discussion. I'm going to be watching you over there in the Ram Dass group, and I really do appreciate you being Thank here. Thank you. Thank That's you it much. for today's podcast, everybody. I hope that you'll join me again next week. My name is Russ Johnson, and it's all connected. <laughs>